This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where the governor's big gamble is underway. Public schools are beginning to reopen during the worst pandemic in a century. And if the county health officer doesn't think it's safe, that's too bad. The governor has tossed them out of the decision loop. Because it's not their decision, so they can get advice, they can get um, input, but it's not all up to the health department to say a yes or a no. The smaller school districts will have the dubious distinction of being the first to reopen, so they'll serve as the lab rats for the rest of the state. Remember how Ron DeSantis berated the media for focusing on the number of new COVID cases? He insisted hospital and ICU admissions were a better indicator of how well the state is doing. Well, Florida just set a new record with 3,355 people hospitalized for COVID-19 over the past week, and it may be time for the governor to pick a new metric. The state health department reported 77 more fatalities Sunday. Florida's death toll now 8,315, including more than 1,100 over the past week alone. The total number of infections in Florida since the start of the pandemic is almost 533,000. But the governor says this would actually be a good time to hold a convention in a Florida hotel. These uh, hotels have done a really good job on doing the different safety precautions and uh, they're putting safety first. It can be done safely. Today on the Sunrise Soapbox, we check in with some of the people on the front lines of the COVID battle in Miami-Dade, including a nurse, a teacher, and a construction worker. They want Marco Rubio and Rick Scott to stop playing political games and approve the COVID stimulus package known as the HEROES Act. We need you, Senator Scott, Senator Rubio. We need you to do your job, and we need you to urge all of your other colleagues in the Senate to vote and pass the HEROES Act. And they're tired of hearing wealthy politicians like Scott say 600 bucks a week is too much for people who lost their jobs and their health insurance because of a pandemic. The system is rigged against the workers. Yet our, our senator is saying that our workers just want, it, want a handout. We'll also have your daily calendar of political events and check in with a Florida man accused of felony assault with a Slurpee. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Monday, August 10th. After being closed since March for the pandemic, Florida schools begin reopening today. Each county sets its own schedule, so this does not happen all at once, and smaller districts are leading the way. Gulf, Dixie, Swanee, Walton, Hamilton, Liberty, Sumter, Flagler, those are just a few of the counties that start today. The larger districts are holding off until later in the month, but it's not like this decision is really theirs. The Education Commissioner has issued a directive ordering schools to reopen five days a week before the end of the month or risk some of their funding. Just ask Hillsborough County. The state says school districts should work directly with their local county health departments to establish protocols to reopen classrooms, control the spread of COVID-19, and educate the public on prevention. However, the state has also gagged the county health officers who do not believe it's safe to reopen. They can recommend how to reopen safely, but they cannot recommend against it. And the governor says there's nothing wrong with that. Well, I, I, I'm not sure exactly what you mean. I mean, I think, you know, the, the, the health departments are informing decisions, but it's ultimately not their decision. It's the responsible party's decision, uh, you know, whether it's at the, the local level with the, with the superintendent, school board, the commissioner of education, the people that are there. So you use that input to be able uh, to determine, uh, you know, the, the policy, but you can't just delegate that out, I think, to, to somebody um, who's not accountable to the people. Because it's not their decision, so they can get advice they can get um, input, but it's not all up to the health department to say a yes or a no. Uh, it, they, they inform the policymakers, 
they provide information and they should absolutely do that. Um, but to say that they should be the ones that would have effectively veto power, um, that's just not the way it works. And so it's an advisory role. They should absolutely be working. They should be providing input. They should be doing that. Um, but what I don't want a situation is, is you know, you have a school district that, that has a plan to go back. They're offering parents virtual. They're offering parents in person. They got the teachers, um, you know, most of the teachers want to be there. And then you have one person to say, don't do it. Um, this has got to be uh, more collaborative. So they should be involved in providing information. But I don't think that, that you should have the veto power. This is your classic example of what Joseph Heller called a catch-22. Under the state order, local school boards that want to start with remote learning instead of reopening classrooms can only do that if they act on the advice of the county health officer. However, the county health officer is forbidden from making a recommendation, so the districts don't really have a choice. Consider Hillsborough County, where the school board voted to start the first four weeks online instead of in person. They made that decision after hearing from the Department of Health and local infectious disease and public health authorities. But State Education Commissioner Richard Corcoran overruled the health experts and rejected Hillsborough's plan, saying it doesn't comply with his emergency order. Now maybe you see why the teachers' union is suing the state over that order. We'll have more on the back-to-school gamble in a moment. You're listening to the Sunrise Podcast from Florida Politics, and we're much obliged. The Florida Hospital Association has released the OPEN plan, designed to allow Florida's safe resumption of elective surgeries and procedures. OPEN stands for O, observe the COVID-19 rate of community occurrence. P, prevent transmission. E, establish the process to restore elective surgeries and procedures. And N, network with all healthcare providers. You can read the OPEN plan today at FHA.org. Welcome back to Sunrise and the start of a new school year in Florida, unlike we've ever seen before. South Florida, of course, has a limited exemption to the state's mandatory reopening order because it's the epicenter of the outbreak. Carla Hernandez-Matz is president of the Miami-Dade Teachers Union. She says safety there is an illusion. We cannot risk reopening our schools we cannot risk exposing our children with the high incidence of uh, the rate of positivity cases that are currently um, um, propagating here in Miami-Dade. A lot of people in Miami-Dade are infected by the virus. We have poor testing. It takes too long for us to get results. We have no way of contact tracing. I haven't seen it work anywhere. Uh, and, and I can tell you that from a personal situation because I've had six family members test positive for COVID and there has been no contact tracing. And so the HEROES Act, what it allows us to do if our senators would do what we need them to do, it would help us so that we can do what we want to do for our community. Public education, in order for it, uh, our buildings to reopen safely, there are a lot of things, a lot of expenses that we now have to account for. We need barriers for social distancing. These are acrylic barriers that did not exist in our classrooms before. We need to make sure we have proper hygiene. That may mean that we have more personnel uh, for our janitors, more equipment so that they can do their uh, work properly and have optimum sanitation levels. It also means that we need educational technology. Because as we have pivoted and turned into a virtual world, these are cost factors that we've had to, um, you know, to, to expend on because we want to make sure that education continues to occur in the best and safest way possible, which right now is only virtual here. 
Um, and so what our senators are failing to do for us here in Florida is they are failing from allowing us to do what we need to do so that we can get critical funds. We know that Florida would receive $5.2 billion in education if the Senate passed the HEROES Act. In a time where we need to ensure that we have hygiene, where our children are taken care of, many of our children come to our schools to eat because they're hungry. And we are trying to do what's right for them and for their family members. It is irresponsible to know that our senators are sitting and not acting on passing the HEROES Act. Senators, we need you to vote. We need you to vote your dog. We need you to vote so that you pass this HEROES Act because our children, millions of children nationwide are counting on you so that we can reopen safely when the time is right. As educators, we did everything we could do. We put children in bubbles. We kept on teaching them. Shame on all the leaders that are not doing what they need to do. Shame on anybody who has not put in an ordinance that has been needed, that has not given adequate funding, that has threatened that if schools don't reopen, that we're gonna cut funding. Now more than ever is when we need to ensure that our families, that our children, that our communities are protected and that we do more than the bare minimum to help them survive and thrive in this worldwide pandemic. And so as educators and as people who care about children, we're urging you, we need you, Senator Scott, Senator Rubio, we need you to do your job and we need you to urge all of your other colleagues in the Senate to vote and pass the HEROES Act. Hernandez Matz is not the only one hoping the Senate gets off its collective ass and passes the new COVID stimulus bill. Vicki Gonzalez is a nurse in Miami-Dade. She's one of the countless number of healthcare workers risking their lives every time they clock in. Here at Jackson Memorial Hospital, um, you know, we've had a large influx of, of COVID positive patients. Um, our staff, our nurses, doctors, social workers, pharmacists, numerous healthcare professionals have been in this fight for five months. You know, as an analogy and, and part of why we are urging the Senate to act now with the HEROES Act is that soldiers get combat pay when they go to war. We've been in this war since March. We have frontline healthcare providers who have been sick, some who have recovered, and, and some who have not made it. We've had three here at Jackson Memorial Hospital ourselves. Nursing, for example, is a, is a profession of 90% female. And, um, you know, we, we think that, that we are, are lacking the support from our senators um, in getting hazard pay for our frontline um, healthcare providers. Uh, we deserve the same as any other soldier when they go to war. Uh, we need our, 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 our own senators here in, in Florida, um, Senators Rubio and Scott, uh, to support us because, you know, as, as, as to add on to this, you know, many residents here in Florida have lost their health care insurance and, and have not been eligible uh, perhaps to get, you know, the same care as somebody with insurance have waited until it's too late to show up into an emergency room. And, and when they have, then it's our, um, our frontline workers that have, have footed the bill, have, have taken care of them, have had compassion, have been at their side when some of them have, have passed. And so we really need um, our senators to support us. I, 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 I can't say it any clearer. 
Now, to get some sense of the disconnect between the government officials and the frontline workers, consider this. While Gonzalez was pleading for help, warning about the danger, Governor DeSantis was in Orlando, suggesting the hotels of Central Florida are the perfect place to hold an in-person convention. Right now. These uh, hotels have done a really good job on doing the different safety precautions, and uh, they're putting safety first. It can be done safely. Uh, I think you will see an improvement on that. I mean, obviously, when you're in a situation where, you know, the, the headlines nonstop are, are cases, cases, usually, in my humble opinion, not without all the context and perspective that, that I think would make people feel a little bit better. Um, and my, so, so you're going to see people, you know, get this impression. I mean, I can't tell you how many hospital executives have told me, yeah, you know, my, my friend in Boston was like, my God, you guys have no beds left. And he's like, no, what are you talking about? He's like, well, the ABC just said the World News Tonight, Florida was out of ICU. He's like, I've got, you know, 25% of my, so, you know, there was also, I think some of that perception, just as we get through this and people understand that it's been, that, 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 we're, that we're going in a good direction will help. Of course, one thing that would really help Florida right now would be an extension of those federal unemployment benefits that expired at the end of July. Richard Kinkofez is vice president of the South Florida AFL-CIO, and he says the state's unemployment system is a disaster. Our construction workers are frustrated. 80 days the Herald Act has been approved in, in, in the Congress. Yet our Senate has been sitting down and ignoring uh, this, this act of, of assistance and aid to our working families in our community. We have spoken to our workers, and they have, uh, have had major issues with the Florida unemployment system. They've been denied and denied after time after time. The system is rigged against the workers. Yet, our, our senator is saying that our workers just want, it, want a handout. They want, they want to feed their families. Workers should be able uh, to go to work and be safe at the workplace. Uh, you know, and, and just due to COVID-19, uh, a lot of construction sites in this county are not abiding by the new norm rules. Why are management of, of construction sites not doing the right thing and training their workers the right way? Millions of workers across this country are losing their health coverage and are having issues on paying bills. And now, with the loss of the $600, they're facing eviction. They're facing foreclosure. And now, on top of not being able to feed their families, they have to find out how they can put a roof over their head. Senator Scott, Senator Rubio, how is that? How is that giving money away? to people that just don't want to work. Our members want to work. Our members are dying to work, but they want to work under safe conditions and they want to work at job sites that are going to hire them. If there's no work to be hired at, then what do you want them to do? So I'm asking upon Senator Rick Scott, Marco Rubio, Mitch McConnell, do the right thing, do your jobs. Think about the American people. Americans shouldn't be deciding over health care, medication, and food, or paying rent or mortgage. 
Working families should be respected in this country. Governor DeSantis has not weighed in on whether he supports a new round of unemployment payments for people who lost their jobs, but he does acknowledge the failures of the Florida system that was designed by Deloitte Consulting. And he's rather annoyed that they just won another contract to manage data at the Agency for Healthcare Administration. But DeSantis says there's nothing he can do about that for a couple of reasons. Yes, yeah, so two things. One, the bid's being protested. Two, as governor, if you look at the law, I'm not allowed to be involved in that in any way. And there's good reason for that. So I have not been involved. I don't like it. Obviously, we're investigating the unemployment and how, you know, what's one thing to have a faulty system, but $77 million that was paid. Uh, so we need to look at that. So it would be my preference that they not get anything. At the same time, there's a process, unfortunately, that has to play out. There is a protest in place. Um, and I know that the DEO um, submitted a negative recommendation as part of the process. So that information was before, but I think what happened is they just dropped the price by so much that under the current law or however they make those decisions, they kind of, their hands were tied. I can't go in and just void it legally, uh, but I think most Floridians want answers on the unemployment and, and that really should happen before any of this other stuff does. Speaking of ripoffs and government contracts, three South Florida people are now charged with collaborating in a $24 million scheme to bilk the Paycheck Protection Program. That was a federal effort by the Small Business Administration to aid businesses that are ailing during the pandemic. This was the state's largest alleged fraud case involving the SBA relief program. The Revenue Estimating Conference meets at 9 to talk about fiscally constrained counties. Trustees from Eastern Florida State College meet remotely at 9. The Board of Occupational Therapy Practice meets by conference call at 9. The Tampa Bay Regional Planning Council meets at 10 in Pinellas Park. Kat Kamek, a candidate for Florida's 3rd Congressional District, will greet folks outside the early voting location at Millhopper Library in Gainesville from 9 till 10. Donald Trump's re-election campaign starts a bus tour at 12.30 in Kissimmee. Participants at the launch include Eric Trump, Lieutenant Governor Jeanette Nunez, and former Florida Attorney General Pam Bondi. The Florida Public Service Commission meets at 1 to consider plans by Florida Power Light, Gulf Power, Duke Energy Florida, and Tampa Electric Company for projects that could help electric systems better withstand hurricanes. And today is the deadline for candidates in the 2022 Florida elections to file their financial reports for spending up until the end of July. And a Florida man was locked up after being accused of felony battery with a Slurpee. Investigators say 40-year-old Brian Duffy was arguing with an employee at a 7-Eleven in Pinellas Park about the price of his frosty beverage. A surveillance camera recorded Duffy when he backhanded the full cup as the clerk was holding it and soaked her to the skin. Since his long rap sheet already included a prior battery conviction, he was upcharged with a felony for the incident. He's been ordered to have no contact with the victim and to stay away from the 7-Eleven. That's it for today's episode of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we plumb the depths of Florida politics.